Kyle Whittingham got a big-time contract extension as Utah football's head coach, but there are some caveats in there that are not particularly normal, and what sort of standard does that set for the rest of the conference? Let's go. Locked on Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Locked On Pac-12. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin, D1 play-by-play broadcaster. Thanks for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with the Conference of Champions. Like, comment, subscribe wherever you are listening to or watching the show right now. Our numbers continue to go up. I thank all of you from the bottom of my heart for making that happen. I love to see it. I love the engagement. Everything that's going on from your end with the show, I love it. So continue to make it happen. Thank you to all of you who have already done so. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Talking all about coaching contracts today, and Utah football is making an investment in the future of Kyle Whittingham as their head coach, and I think any Utes fan will tell you that's just all right with them. I think there are some coaches across the country who have been in a place for a long time. I know that there are some Oklahoma State fans who feel this way about Mike Gundy, where even though he's been a good coach, sometimes fans feel, eh, it's like, is it time to move on? Do we need to go? I don't get that sense from Utah fans at all whatsoever. I think they're in the position mentally and rightfully so of, yeah, if Whittingham wants to stay, then let's pay him and let's keep him around. That's what Utah is doing here. So they're, uh, the, the new contract details that they have worked out, it's a six-year, $41 million deal, which is an overall raise of $400,000 per year, which seems about right for winning your first Pac-12 championship, coming over from the Mountain West and getting to the Rose Bowl, very nearly winning the Rose Bowl. It might, I mean, this might have been even uh, a touch higher if Utah had, had beaten Ohio State in the granddaddy of the mall earlier this year. Weird that that was uh, in this calendar year, but we're already on to fall of 2022 here on the show, of course, though last year was uh, quite fun. Anyway, so he's also set for increases to $8 million uh, in 2027. If he is fired without cause, then he's owed $3 million for each year left on the contract, which as far as college coaches' buyouts go, I wouldn't say is a ton. But that was that would only come into play if Utah decides this is not this is no longer the right guy to lead our football program. I'm not saying that's impossible. It's just hard to envision that happening with with Kyle Winningham and the sick success that he has had in Salt Lake City for the last oh I don't know 18 seasons or so. I think it's going to be his 19th, 18th, 19th. We've all lost track at some point. Nobody who is. Uh, Going into college this year or not yet to college knows Utah football without Kyle Whittingham at the helm. I I don't even remember when Urban Meyer was there. That's how long ago that it was. Now, Whittingham in 2015 made $2.6 million. In 2019, he made just over $4 million. And now he's getting a pay bump up to $6 million. And the other thing about this contract that I find to be really fascinating because Kyle Whittingham, I, I find it to be fascinating because Whittingham 
apparently strongly consider retirement. I've talked to people in and around the program before who said, yeah, he, he very nearly hung it up. But now that he has come back, Utah, of course, the athletic department wanting to, to make sure they keep him around and give him what he wants. And maybe it was a leverage play. Maybe it was not. I, I don't have the inside track on that sort of perspective. But it leaves open, this contract does, the future possibilities of staying with Utah after retiring from coaching, making 995000 a year, it's not bad, as a special assistant to the athletic director. So kind of like what Mike Krzyzewski is going to, to be for Duke basketball. Still in and around the program, maybe give some speeches, you know, entice recruit, like show face, because he's such an integral part of, you know, what that school is and what that program represents. But that doesn't sound like a bad deal. You make 995000 a year, and you don't have to go through the grind of recruiting. You don't have to have stressful Saturdays and be barking at officials and all that sort of stuff. But there's even more interesting stuff in, in this new contract for, for Kyle Whittingham. The school is penalized $400,000 if they don't invest around $62 million, that's million with an M, not billion with a B, but million with an M, in a new private indoor practice facility. And uh, he's is also asking for new graphics and carpet for the football building. If deadlines on these projects are missed, Utah owes Whittingham $100,000 per missed deadline. And all of this comes after, over the last couple of years, Utah has undergone an $80 million football stadium renovation that was completed last summer to expand Eccles' uh, capacity to over 51000 Now, they still have, for a public school, one of the smaller stadiums in the country while paying a coach in the $6 million range. Uh, the, the good news, though, for the Utah Athletic Department is that they've sold out 70 straight home games. Utah fans are as passionate a group and in my experience as polite of a group. Like no doubt that there are people who are, you know, extremely uh proud and passionate about the Utes, but they're also very very nice. At least in in my personal experience, but I can't imagine anybody anybody else has has had a different experience with them if you've uh, taken a football game surrounded by Utah fans. But I digress. That's the good news for them is that they're selling that place out. So they are bringing in a lot of money. And as Utah gets more and more national exposure, they're more likely to get, you know, some some big time national TV games. That's also going to bring in more money because TV money is very, very valuable. If you've never looked at the uh, the numbers on all that sort of stuff and how much the team gets paid for having a game on national television, kind of fascinating. I'll just sum it up for you real quick. It's a lot of money, but Utah going down and playing Florida in week one this year is a big time game. And that's a big time draw nationally because of how Kyle Weddingham has elevated the Utes program. And they're just at a place now where people see Utah, Florida, and that's the game that everybody wants to watch, that people have you know, an eye on of like, oh boy, what what's going to happen there? Utah, hey, they almost beat Ohio State in the Rose Bowl. Florida, they've got a new head coach. Are they going to be, oh, this is in Gainesville, in the swamp? What a game. Like, there are just a lot of draws around the football program right now. And I think even though they didn't win the Rose Bowl, it's a very hot commodity on, on the national scale in terms of, you know, I, I think a school that, that really has some rising stock and is gaining more and more respect each year, respect that they unquestionably deserve. Whittingham has had two losing seasons as Utah's head coach. And those were five and seven campaigns. <laughs> like that's, 
That's ridiculous. I don't care what school you are. I don't care if you're at Alabama, LSU, or uh, Middle Tennessee Tech. Like, wherever you are, whatever resources you have to work with, only to never having won fewer than five games in a year is uh, is a really, really impressive thing. But what I what I find so fascinating about this contract is all of those kind of demands in there. And it was kind of less about his pay. I think they were probably going to give him that regardless. But it makes you think about how, you know, Whittingham was approaching that that whole negotiation and the entire situation because I haven't seen that in a contract before where he where he's saying all right I will I'm going to stay I'm going to be extended after he considered a retirement that kind of gives credence to the idea that maybe he did you know leak it out that he was considering retirement to get the the institutional and financial buy-in from the the um, the, the athletics administration there at Utah there's more to get to with that, which I will tell you about after I tell you Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. You can find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's NHL playoffs and Major League Baseball. Go Mariners! Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting, esports, and scores, and more. And it's the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online where the game starts. I can't say I've studied a lot of contracts extensively in, in my life, but I don't recall them you know, having these uh, these caveats of, okay, you, you have to make an investment here. You have to do this and you have to do all that sort of stuff. I don't think it's a, an unreasonable thing because you think about Utah still being, you know, somewhat new. I won't say very new, but, you know, uh, Colorado joined from the Big 12. Utah has only been a Power 5 program for, you know, just over a decade now. I mean, that, that's not a very long time. And when you're looking at it from a recruiting perspective, you want to have the facilities that can match everybody else or it's going to be, you know, at least a little bit harder. It's that much harder to get guys to to be really impressed and to stand out as as a school and as a program. And you have to sell guys more on your vision. And that's, you know, certainly an important part of recruiting. But we all know facilities are a part of it as well. And so he clearly wants all of that stuff. And I think the pessimists would say, well, he just wanted to get more money because he had a really good year. And, you know, they gave him all these increases and he's getting all this cash. And he just wants nicer stuff. I think that's the pessimistic view of it. Doesn't mean it's incorrect. I think the optimistic look at it is he's aware that he's not going to coach forever. And he has, you know, been such an integral part uh, of Utah football. And he has been just like he, he is that program, right? He's just been there so long. He is that program. They're, like I was saying earlier, there are people who have been born in the 2000s who don't know Utah to have had another head coach. And that's a very, very rare thing. USC has gone through a number of coaches. Washington has gone through a couple. Oregon's gone through a I mean, everybody has, but Utah has not. And I think that's what makes him unique and puts him in the sort of position to make these sorts of requirements if he's going to continue to be the head coach. But I think the optimistic view of it is he recognizes that he's not going to coach forever. And so he wants to leave behind something that allows whoever his eventual successor were, successor will be something that he's going to be able to, to build upon and continue to build the program up and have it going in a positive direction and all that sort of stuff. 
I think that's the more optimistic way to look at it. And I would say the more likely of the two, maybe it was a little bit of both. Maybe he wanted uh, more money than they were planning to to perhaps give him before he, you know, put it out there like, oh, maybe I'm going to retire or whatnot. But they really wanted to keep him around because, of, of course, you want to keep Kyle Whittingham around. And maybe he was also having an ear. I mean, he's clearly got at least half an ear to the ground mentally uh, with regards to, you know, when he's going to stop coaching. Right. I mean, that's why you have that uh, a retainer salary as an special assistant to the athletic director when you're done coaching and all the facilities upgrades, even though they just went under underwent a, a huge, expensive but worthwhile renovation. I mean, Eccles is a fantastic, fantastic environment. They're really, really loud. The stadium looks great. And I just I. I think they're doing the right thing there, but I just haven't seen a contract like this. And I think it's, it's really, really interesting. Now, one thing that has become part of the, uh, unfortunately sort of identity of the PAC 12 is that institution wide investments in college football and your athletics programs, but particularly college football, which, which as we all know from a financial point of view drives the bus for literally everything else. That's how this works. There's a national perception of the conference that it hasn't been there because I think that when when you look at a story like Colorado, that doesn't play well on, on on a national level. It doesn't mean it's entirely representative of what the program's potential is. It doesn't mean you can't win at Colorado, but I, I think that you know Whittingham is somewhat unique because he clearly doesn't want to go elsewhere and he wants to stay with Utah whenever he does decide to stop coaching. And I just I can't envision a scenario where Utah is going to you know be in a position where they would reasonably say we don't want him to be the head coach anymore and then you know they'll have to pay his buyout if he doesn't play out uh, as a coach coach out I guess the entirety of his contract then. It would probably be a mutual parting of ways. That, that, that would be my guess. And he would transition into that, you know, sort of advisory secondary role or assistant to the AD as it's listed. But if you're going to have a successful football program, you don't have to have a Kyle Whittingham who, you know, stays with your team for 18 years. That's especially in today's world, a really hard thing to look for. And I don't think it's a, a particularly reasonable expectation for for any school especially when you have you know boosters and alumni and fans putting pressure on teams to to win now and and to win big and if that doesn't happen then they tend to want to see you know the coach walk out the door and and have the next guy come in but let, let's remember what happened with Mel Tucker at Colorado who just had an 11 win season at Michigan State now they weren't that good in 2020 but that was also a weird year and he was the head coach at Colorado for one year and there was a whole debacle about you know he was uh, going to stay and he tweeted out like I'm the head coach of Colorado like that all wasn't a great look and if Colorado fans are still salty about it I totally understand it because that was handled pretty poorly on on Mel Tucker on Mel Tucker's part but that whole situation essentially came about because Colorado was not willing to pay as much as Michigan State was. That's not a good look for the school, and it's not a good look for the conference either, because when you have the national perception, and in many ways it's accurate, that you don't have the sort of buy-in, the sort of commitment, the sort of ingrained culture from um, a societal and a fan perspective that college football is something that you want to be really successful in, and then you have a coach leave 
because another school was just willing to offer more money. I think if Colorado had been able to match or at least get closer to the number that Michigan State was offering, Mel Tucker might be their head coach today. Maybe he wouldn't be. But the amount of money they were offering was significantly more. And part of this, not not all of it, it's not all of it, but part of this is certainly Larry Scott's fault because he didn't negotiate a very good media rights deal and package over the years. And so in in their defense, in Colorado's defense, that is, the Pac-12 schools are not getting from the conference as much from a media rights distribution standpoint as other conferences are. And, and it's in the tens of millions. Like Pac-12 is getting significantly less per school. Would that money have you know gone to, to upping Mel Tucker's salary and ultimately kept him as Colorado's head coach? Maybe I would have liked to see I would have liked to have been in that situation from a Pac-12 point of view where you could look and say, OK, yeah, they, they did have this money and this was coming in and there's not that much of a shortfall. But instead, we have to look back and go, well, it's not great that Colorado wasn't willing to pay for a guy who is clearly a quality head coach at the power five level. But it also isn't great that that money could have perhaps been there had the media rights deal been properly negotiated back in the day with Larry Scott and been on DirecTV and gotten more money and all that sort of stuff. I don't need to go into it. I think we, we kind of understand the disaster that that has been up until now, but it is not a small amount of money that these schools are, are missing out on. And so I, I bring that up and, you know, in Colorado's defense, again, because it, it's not a great look for the school, but there's there are some points like this that, that that should be raised. It was one year that Mel Tucker was their head coach, and he went five and seven. It did include a couple of wins over teams that were ranked at the time, and uh, five wins at, at a program like Colorado means more than five at another place. But it, it's not as if he was you know winning nine or or ten games, right? So. Maybe that's what they saw as well. Like, well, it was a five-win season. Is that really worthwhile? Well, Michigan State saw something, and that has clearly worked out at, at this point in time. And when you're new head coach and you're at Colorado, winning five games means a lot more than it does, say, at uh, you know Washington or Oregon or USC or even UCLA, I, I would argue as well, or Stanford. So when you find a coach who can win, you need to pay him. And that's why I'm, you know, talking about this Kyle Whittingham contract and why I'm excited to see it, frankly, because other schools need to follow suit. This needs to be an example when you find a head coach who wins. Is he a little bit of an anomaly in that he has stayed at Utah for 18 years? Yes, I'm not saying that. But when you find a coach as a school in the Pac-12 who wins, and has the potential to recruit at a pretty high level and, you know, run a successful program, you have to be willing to pay him or else you're going to see him walk out the door and go elsewhere. That That's it's just the reality of it. You don't have to love it. You can think like, oh, these coaches are getting paid too much money. Yeah, well, maybe that's the case. But would you rather your school save a little bit of money when they have, you know, a sea of it? <laughs> or would you rather pay a head coach who might be slightly overpaid, but is going to help you win games. I mean, you have to ask yourself that as a fan. And, you know, for for example, slightly in the same vein of what I'm talking about here, I think Cal's attitude is in the right place. And, you know, after UCLA's uh, Chip Kelly and Justin Wilcox both were, you know, closely tied to the Oregon job, Wilcox was offered the job and, and turned it down. Both received extensions from their school. 
that that's your attitude being in the right place. And, you know, if Chip Kelly is able to deliver another eight, nine win season, that will certainly look like a good deal for the Bruins. Cal, I like where their where their heads are at, but the standards are a, a little bit low. And I think that was kind of the perfect storm with regards to, you know, Wilcox's deal where it was almost up and he went to Oregon and was offered the job. I mean, he's had two winning seasons in four full campaigns. His best season was in 2019. Uh, they were eight and five, and he got an extension through 2027 at an average of 4.75 million per season. Uh, the buyouts are pretty small, so if he doesn't perform up to standards, then they're not going to be out a ton of money there. Um, I, I again think that 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 deal is largely a product of him getting the offer from the Ducks and, and ultimately turning it down. But I think when you look at, at those two coaches, I'd be surprised if both play out the entire length of these deals. Um, you know, it, it's not 2011 anymore. Chip Kelly is not a, a lock for for 10 wins once he gets the ball rolling. Like it's it's a new era of college football, and he has to show that he can win consistently. Now he had one really good year, but he's got to back it up, and he has to do it again. But Wilcox through 2027. I, I think if you're Cal, you have to be willing. I think that's why the buyouts are relatively small compared to what, you know, some other coaches might be getting. Again, I, I like where their attitudes are at in terms of, okay, we have to be willing to step up to the plate and pay coaches to to stay with our programs because we think they're going to be successful. I like that. I just don't love it with Wilcox because if Cal, you know, comes back and is under 500 again this year, then you're looking at five full seasons with two winning campaigns for the Golden Bears. And I mean, is that your standard? Right. But I, I like where it's at. And, you know, you, you have to be willing to pay what someone else might be, you know, capable or, or, or willing to offer your head coach if he starts to have some success. I don't know if either coach is going to see out the entirety of those deals in, in terms of Wilcox and, and Chip, but frankly, Whittingham as well. I wouldn't be surprised if maybe three, I mean, Whittingham is 62 years old. So if in three or four years he decides, all right, I think I, I'm done with coaching. I want to move into that advisor role. I wouldn't be surprised at that at all, but he's setting up the program for success after he leaves, whenever that decision is is ultimately made. And I'm sure he and his wife at some point will, will talk about that and, you know, figure out what, uh, what, what the best time for him to, to step aside is, but this is what you have to be willing to do. You have to be willing to invest in coaches because that's how you have a competitive conference. That's how you, you know, get back some of the the national respect that uh, that, that the school or that the the conference has lost over the years because the schools just haven't been that good. You have to have the right coaches. And by the way, USC is a great example. You know what they were willing to do? Lincoln Riley was getting plenty of phone calls. Oklahoma willing to pay him plenty of money. USC came in and said, you know what? We've got a bunch of cash. Let's give him everything he wants. That's what you need. You've got to be willing to invest in coaches. I want to see every Pac-12 school have that approach with the right standards. When you find a coach who wins, you've got to pay him or somebody else will. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I will see you next time, and have a wonderful rest of your day.